All right, open your Bibles if you'd like or uh, go to your device and navigate over to John chapter 10. We're going to study the text that we just listened to this morning, verses 1 through 21. John 10, 1 through 21, the topic, Jesus emphasizes that every believer can hear his voice above all others, just like a sheep knows the voice of its shepherd. The title of our message, May His Voice Be With You. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray today that um, simple truths from your word would flood our hearts with the wonder of your love. I I think sometimes, Lord, I know in my life I try to overcomplicate things. Uh, It's hard to believe that walking with you, knowing you, could be as simple as it is. Uh, Of course, Lord, it it, it was costly. Uh, It's not easy. Um, What you went through to save us, but there's a simplicity to it, Lord, once we have entered into a relationship with you. And I pray that we would focus on that and that we would know that you are here with us, speaking to us, Lord, by your spirit and through your word. We thank you and we praise you. We do it in Jesus' name. And those who agreed said, amen. Do you hear voices? I don't mean the kind of voices that David Berkowitz heard. The infamous son of Sam initially claimed that he'd been told to commit his murders by a demon manifested in his neighbor's dog, Harvey. Speaking of serial killers, actor Anthony Hannibal Hopkins hears voices. I've always had a little voice in my head, particularly when I was younger and less assured, he said. You do hear voices, we all do. One writer put it this way, We are inundated every day with messages from a wide variety of sources, and whether the voices that enter our mind are solicited or not, the fact remains that in today's world they are nearly impossible to avoid. You hear the voices of politics, advertising, philosophy, religion, medicine, psychology, art and entertainment, social media, the government, science, parents, television, friends, mentors, teachers, etc. Now hear this. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. Four times in this text, Jesus invites us to hear his voice, and he also warns us not to listen to the other voices. I'll organize my comments around two points. Number one, you have the ability to recognize God's voice, and number two, you have the advantage of rejecting what is not God's voice. And so let's talk about recognizing God's voice in verses 1 through 18. Who remembers Nipper? Anybody remember Nipper off the top of your head? I'll give you a clue. He was a dog, and he cocked his head to one side. No? And he was black and white, and he sat in front of a gramophone for the RCA company. (laughs) Nipper the dog. Do you recall the uh, slogan that accompanied Nipper? His master's voice. His master's voice. We hear our master's voice. Whew, man, it's odd when I can stump everyone. That's great. Let's just <laughs> quit here. Uh, our master's voice. So let's begin with verse 6. You'll see why in a minute. Verse 6 says, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Jesus will portray himself as the good shepherd and believers as his favored sheep. It's doubtless one of the most popular, most endearing representations of the Lord. Not to take anything away from it, 
But Jesus was using shepherd and sheep as an illustration. He wants believers to know that we can hear his voice and there is no better way to illustrate it than to talk about the shepherd and the sheep. This would be a radical departure for the Jews. God spoke to them through Moses, through the prophets, some of the kings. On occasion, he might reveal himself to someone he intended to use to accomplish his will. God constantly speaking to an ordinary Israelite was outside of their experience and expectation. We take it for granted if we're born again and have been adopted as sons by the Lord and have his spirit within us that we have this dialogue with the Lord, him speaking to us and we speaking to him. But this would be a radical thought for a first century Jew, for any Jew before the first century and, and all because Everything was about mediating, having someone else go before you. And Jesus is our mediator, but once he mediated, then the division stopped and the veil in the temple was ripped and we have immediate access through him to the Father in a dialogue. And so this is, this is to us, you might think, well, okay, well, I already know that. Yeah, but it's big. It's, it's a huge thing. There is no biblical reason why God could not speak to a person audibly today. However, even in the Bible, God speaking audibly is an exception, not the rule. And it's not always clear in the Bible whether it was an audible voice or the more common inner voice or a mental impression. Uh, and so the Lord, sometimes you read, uh, you know, both Testaments that the Lord spoke to someone. Could have been an audible voice. I mean, we immediately think that's weird, you know, we're hearing voices. Um, but uh, it could be an inner impression. It, it, it just depends on how the Lord wants to minister to you. And so let's pick it up in verse 1. Now that we know that what we're going to read here in verses 1 through 5 illustrates this idea that you can hear the voice. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. I highly recommend you read A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, by Philip Keller. Shepherd looks at Psalm 23. Absolute classic. Years ago, uh, when, you, when people got saved, it was one of the books we said, you know, read the Bible, here's some other material, but this would be a great book to read. A Shepherd looks at Psalm 23. A sheepfold is an enclosure of some kind where sheep are penned. The very first thing Jesus wanted us to know is that thieves and robbers devise sinister plans to overshadow God's voice. The fall of man in the Garden of Eden can be attributed to Eve hearing the voice of a thief and a robber instead of listening to God's voice. Uh, we sometimes, you know, he, mentioned, he says thieving and robbing, but it is more like a con job, you know, fits in there too. And so Jesus says, hey, the very first thing you need to know is this. Why? Because this is where it all began. It all began with Eve listening to a voice that wasn't God's voice, that was contrary to what God had already said, and you see the mess that we're in as a result of it. How your, so will your life be a mess, uh, just like the ruin of creation if we're not heeding God's voice? The devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. The Bible says he's the God of this world and that he influences non-believers to do his will. He bombards us with lies from the various voices of the world. Now, not everything you hear from the world is a lie, 
But any worldly voice is going to lie about God at some point. Science, for example, discovered so many marvelous things and truths, and, and there's so many things that work out, you know, and, and we understand more about God's universe and all of this. And so we're pro-science. We're not against science. It's just too bad that the majority of people doing science reject special creation in favor of a godless model that encourages survival of the fittest. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge, and so they say, hey, we've got all these wonderful inventions. We made all this progress here. We're healing diseases. We're curing this. Imagine if you were living 20 years ago. This couldn't happen, and wonderful advances and stuff. And oh, by the way, you're no more than an animal. You're the apex predator because you can move your thumb. It's amazing. And so, but you know what it's done? And it's not just me saying this. I mean, this is the truth. That view, that which we call evolutionary view, the survival of the fittest, it has devalued human life. Human life is really not worth anything philosophically if it is survival of the fittest. Who's, whose morality will prevail? If there's no morality and you're just making it up as you go, and so every time we see these tragic school shootings or every time that a woman has a legal abortion, it is a, because there's been a total devaluing of human life. And, you know, people are not saying, hey, these are human beings who are made in the image of God and they should be treated as such. And so science, one example, anything you want to pick from, philosophy, religion, medicine, anything there's eventually going to be a break with truth uh, where they are lying about God. And so verse 2, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Flocks penned together were guarded by the doorkeeper. He recognized the shepherds and allowed them to gather their flocks. The sheep know their shepherd's voice. He usually had a call that he had taught them. They would follow no one else. You can search YouTube for sheep calls. I'm working on this one. It's hard. It's, it's kind of like this. And you see the little sheep come over. It's the greatest thing in the world. Our shepherd gave his life for us. In doing so, he defeated many malevolent supernatural creatures that seek to kill sheep. The devil is depicted as a roaring, devouring lion. In Psalm 22, which predicts Jesus on the cross, we read of strong bulls of Bashan surrounding him. Also in Psalm 22 is the power of the dog and the horns of the wild oxen. The film version of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe captures this extraordinarily well. As Jadis, the white witch, slays Aslan, all manner of weird, wicked creatures are dancing around rejoicing. These, like those in Psalm 22, still hunt us, but they are defeated. For us to live is to serve the Lord and to die even better. And so these are supernatural beings, supernatural creatures that... Uh, were surrounding the cross of Jesus Christ, thinking they had the victory because he died, not knowing that he would rise three days later and defeat them once and for all. 
And so the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, but he can't devour you. You belong to the Lord. You can do a lot of stupid things yourself, but the devil isn't the one to be blamed for it. Jesus said the shepherd called his sheep by name. Good morning, Sean. How are we doing today, lamb chop? Hello, Dolly. Remember Dolly the sheep? First mammal to be cloned? Hello, Dolly. It reminds me of the Lord's promise in the Revelation. It says, he who hears, or he has an ear, rather, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And so I take that to mean that you and I are all going to have our, we're going to be renamed in a special endearing way by the Lord. You have endearing names for, uh, you know, people in your family, your husband, your wife, grandpa, grandma, you know, and so it's the same kind of a thing. In Pixar's Cars, Fred gets all excited because Lightning McQueen calls him by name. It's one of the Rust-Oleum customers. He doesn't realize that McQueen is reading his personalized license plate. (laughs) He says Fred right on it. In heaven, we will sing, he knows my name. No name tag will be necessary because Jesus has an intimate knowledge of each one of us. You won't have to come up to the Lord and say, Lord, I'd like to introduce myself to you. I'm Gene. I was in Hanford for a while, you remember. I'd like to talk to you about that. (laughs) The proximity to Riverdale always bothered me. No, Jesus will know everyone, and he'll give you a special name. I don't know when that's going to happen, maybe when he rewards you. But, um, you know, we had crazy special names in my family. We're all the brothers, right? And so I was known as Jeannie, which if you want to call me that, that's fine. Uh, my, I, my next oldest brother was called Rock or Rick Rock. I don't know where that came from. My brother Anthony was Ant, and then my little brother Bob was Whale Boy which sadly uh, was abusive because he was huge. But anyway, the family that abuses together. (laughs) When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Moving a herd of cattle is called a cattle drive. Sheep are not driven, they are led. William MacDonald says, he does not ask them to go anywhere that he himself has not first gone. He is ever out in front of the sheep as their savior and guide and example. Those who are true sheep of Christ follow him. They do not become sheep by following his example, but by being born again. Then when they are saved, they have a desire to go where he leads. Verse five, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. You've probably been told that sheep are among the dumbest animals. I don't know about that. There are some pretty dumb animals out there, right? But I do know that they are smarter than believers (laughs) because they will not heed the voice of strangers. We, on the other hand, entertain and even go looking for other voices for hope and for help. You know, what's out there in the world that can help me with my spiritual problems? Well, how about the Lord? You don't understand, I need professional help. And, and you know, I, yeah, but, uh, you know, and it's not, you know, people look at you and say, oh, you, you Bible thumpers, you think all the answers are in the Word of God. Well, actually, they are, 
you know, and, and um, it's just a matter of seeking the Lord. You know, you know the big answer is get, get saved. You realize you can't really counsel anybody about anything until they're saved. And then once they're saved, they can get into the Word and say, hey, God says this is how you do it, and you're able to do it, so do it. Uh, and, you know, it sounds so easy. It's not. We know the Christian life is hard. Here's what it's like. It's in First John where John says, uh, you know, you don't need to sin, but if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. What does that mean? It means that we're doing our best. With the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we fall into sin because we live in an unredeemed body, come back to the Lord, and keep growing. Uh, and so uh, if Jesus is sufficient to save you, he is more than sufficient for life and godliness. They, the Pharisees from chapter 9, did not understand because they were not believers. And so Jesus is preaching to them. We'll see him get more evangelistic as we go. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. In the pastures, there was no doorkeeper. It's just the shepherd and his flock. The shepherd would camp at the entrance, in effect, making him the door. One door, one way in, Jesus. Verse 8, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. All likely means that there will always be thieves and robbers. Every generation, in every dispensation, there are loud voices seeking to drown out the voice of Jesus, the simple, loving voice of the Lord. Big controversy over a same-sex kiss in Lightyear, the new Buzz Lightyear movie from uh, Pixar and Disney. Chris Evans, whose voice, uh, who voices Buzz, commented, quote, the real truth is those people are idiots. Every time there's been social advancement as we wake up, the American story, the human story, is one of constant social awakening and growth, and that's what makes us good. Now, my sincere question to Captain America is, how far can we advance before you draw the line? How far do you advance before you draw the line? He sees the sexual boundaries moving, the, you know, the people advancing, coming to a better place, where would he draw the line? In April, an Illinois school district unveiled curriculum teaching preschoolers about sexual orientation and gender identity. Maybe Captain America would agree, but I'm guessing there would be a line further out that he, even he would retreat from. You don't get to a point where anything goes. Right? And so everybody draws a line somewhere in terms of what is moral and what is immoral. The point is everyone draws the line and that Christians, we draw the line based on the original standard that was established by God. And, and that's where we want to hang out. And so, you know, and so the people we deal with every day in our family, our friends, our coworkers, they draw the line somewhere else. And they say things like, well, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody or, you know, blah, 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 and this and that, or people are born that way or whatever and stuff. And it's a, it's a, it's a big thing. Uh, and, so, and so, you know, we're not, we're not bigoted. We're not uh, hateful. We're not resentful. We just draw the line where God drew the line. And so there, the real question is, is there a God and has he spoken to us? And so when you're talking to people, it isn't so much where they drew this line. It's like, let's take this back a notch and say this, have you been born again? Because if not, it won't matter if you're heterosexual or homosexual. Your gender will have nothing to do with it when you stand before the Lord 
and are judged for your sin nature and your sins, uh, plural. And so uh, we draw the line with the Bible. And it's worked for a long time, and uh, it's, it's kind of a guarantee. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Instead of rejoicing in the miracle of the man born blind receiving sight, the Pharisees cast him out. It was spiritual stealing and killing and destroying. He had just had this amazing healing, and they were going to do everything they could to steal and rob and kill his joy in it. Compare what Jesus did. He made him whole and gave him a whole brand new life filled with abundance. Giving or laying down his life are emphasized in the next verses. Jesus was preaching to uh, the cross to them. He was witnessing. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jim Croce should have written a song about shepherds, don't you think? That would have been great. You don't mess around with them. They are badder than old King Kong. Teenage David faced down a 12-foot-tall Philistine giant, felling him with one slung rock, then cut off his head with his own sword. By the time David was done, Goliath looked like a jigsaw puzzle with a couple of pieces gone. Right? I mean... Jesus' fight would take place on the cross, on a hill called the Place of the Skull. He would fell the devil by his sacrificial death. Jesus said that he gives his life for us. Charles Spurgeon wrote, he is giving his life still. The life that is in the man Christ Jesus, he is always giving for us. It is for us he lives, and because he lives, we live also. He lives to plead for us. He lives to represent us in heaven. He lives to rule providence for us. Verse 12, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Maybe it's because I've never been involved in a bank robbery or that I'm a coward but I don't understand the hero bank manager who pushes the silent alarm only to be shot dead. It's not his money. He's a hireling. I, I don't think, I'm not sure Jesus meant the idea of a hireling in a totally negative way. He's just saying that, you know, there's an intimate relationship between the shepherd and the sheep you wouldn't expect from a hireling. In the movie Heat, Robert De Niro tells the people during the bank robbery, your money is insured by the federal government. You're not going to lose a dime. So don't be a hero, right? Be a hireling. Now, if it is your money and you want to defend it, that's a whole nother ballgame. Jesus was maybe warning us against hireling shepherds, but I think the greater lesson is that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. Though everyone else would be a hireling, thinking maybe of themselves, the Lord says, I died for you. Not, not that I will die or I would die, I did die. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. God created man with the purpose of the human race having fellowship with God, the way to the Father and the Son to have fellowship with one another. It started out that way in the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve sinned, however, the Son had to come as a man in order to die in our place, in order to restore that 
lost, broken fellowship. Verse 16, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. This speaks of the church age between his ascension and return to resurrect the dead in Christ and rapture living believers. Uh, he, Jesus came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. After the Jews rejected him, the gospel goes out to the Gentiles, and now the church is full of Jews and Gentiles uh, who are the, his sheep, his flock, that will be taken to heaven, and then the Lord will return to deal with the nation of Israel. Verse 17, therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. Jesus predicted his death saying four times that he would voluntarily lay down his life and he predicted his resurrection. Command is better translated commission. The father did not voluntold Jesus to become a man and die. Jesus volunteered. You ever been voluntold? I need a volunteer and it's you. It seems odd to say, therefore, my father loves me. We know that the father loved Jesus from eternity. He could not love him more or less because of the cross. Jesus said this for our benefit. On the night before he laid down his life for us, he prayed that, the love which you, Father, have loved me may be in them. I like the way the Amplified Bible translates this, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. One commentator wrote, here are the heights and depths of love too staggering to grasp or take in that the Father loves us as he loves his beloved son, Jesus. We would think this sacrilege to even think, except that it is our Lord saying it. It's called mosquito. It is an anti-loitering device that plays an annoying tone in a frequency only teenagers can hear. <laughs> Do you remember that was going around a few years ago that, you know, that on your phone you could play tones and teenagers could hear it, but you couldn't? I don't know if you remember that. This is true. Not that you'd want to buy this thing, Mosquito. I think it might even be illegal in the United States. But, you know, not that you would ever go to MosquitoLoiteringSolutions.com uh, or any, anything like that, of course, you know. But you have the capacity, the ability to hear God's voice. He's speaking at a frequency, you might say, that you can hear. And here's the thing. This is not something you learn to do over time. It is something that happens to you when you are saved. Like every other good and perfect gift, you simply believe that it is true because it is true. Secondly, you have the advantage of rejecting what is not God's voice. The serial killer known as BTK believed a demon inside of him drove him to murder. Ted Bundy described a malignant entity within him. None of these serial guys ever says anything like, I saw a man born blind from birth and the demon emerged and took over. He forced me to make clay out of dirt and spittle and send him away to wash and be healed. <laughs> the Jews are going to accuse Jesus of having a demon as the source of his good works. It is outrageously absurd. Demons are malevolent. They don't go around making wine at weddings, raising the dead, healing the lame, forgiving women caught in adultery. Maybe they're a source of power, but not that kind of power. 
the kind of power they have is to keep a guy chained up in a cemetery, cutting himself and scaring people all the time. And so to look at Jesus and say, you just healed a man born blind, only a demon could do that. No. The truth is they didn't know what to say about Jesus because they wouldn't admit the truth. Therefore, there was a division again among them, uh, the Jews, because of these sayings, verse 19, and many of them said, he has a demon and he's mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Same passage, uh, same message rather, two responses. That bothers us. We want to know what happens in the human heart when exposed to the gospel. Why are some saved while others are not? Theologians debate what they call the ordo salutis. Uh, It simply means the order of salvation. It's the Latin for order of salvation. But if you're a theologian, you have to say ordo salutis because you're smarter than everybody. It deals with the steps or the stages in the salvation of a believer. How do election, foreknowledge, predestination, redemption, regeneration, justification, sanctification, and glorification work in your life? It boils down to which of these statements you would choose. We talked about this last week a little bit. Here's statement number one. The Bible teaches that a person must be born again before he or she can believe and be saved. Statement number two. The Bible teaches that you believe and then you are born again. And so we would say that you believe and then you're born again. That's the pattern in Scripture. We share the gospel proclaiming that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. His death was necessary so that God the Father could remain just in judging sin but justify sinners. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he drew all men to himself. He is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. After you believe and are born again, you are predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. He that began this good work in you will perform it until you go to be with him by death or rapture. You will be raised or raptured in a glorified body fit for life in eternity. God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. We are diffusers. Why the gospel is sweet or a stench is not up to us. I don't think you can definitively say this is what happens in the secret places of the heart. Uh, Neither neither approach is 100% accurate. In an uncharacteristic quote, John Calvin wrote, since no man is excluded from calling upon God, The gate of salvation is open to all. There is nothing else to hinder us from entering but our own unbelief. The gospel of John is called the gospel of belief. It isn't just for non-believers to be evangelized. I mean, we normally think, well, it's the gospel of belief, so it is to bring non-believers to a state of belief. But it is also for believers to believe, to believe that what God has told you is true 
and that you possess so many things that you're trying to work for. Uh, you know, we've talked about being adopted as sons and the Holy Spirit and this. And, and what God is telling us this week in a very simple way for us to work out for the rest of our lives is that you hear his voice. And you can hear it above all the other voices or what they call a cacophony. Do you like that word? I like that word. The cacophony of voices. I think cacophony would be enough. You add of voices. I think it's redundant. But uh, it's like, so you know what I'm talking about, Fox News in the background, uh, you know, people coming door to door to try and sell you religion. And, you know, everywhere you go, there's all these voices vying for your attention. You, know, you send your kids to college and they're 100% of the voices are trying to drown out their Christianity and stuff. The Lord is promising, you listen, you hear my voice. It's not something that you... Now, we learn how to do it better, obviously, as we grow and walk with the Lord, but, but this is a capacity we have because we've been born again as sons and daughters in his kingdom. And so, uh, listen to the Lord, and, and don't follow these other voices uh, that rob, kill, steal, and destroy. As I said earlier, Eve did, and you see the result of it. Has God said? No, this is what God has said. He loves me, and he gives me all that I need for life and godliness. And that's all there is. There's my life living godly. And the Bible says he is all of that.